ask you to open your Bibles this morning to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. This morning we're starting a brand new sermon series called, That's Just Not Me. If you were to ask people in your life what you are known for, they, they might define you as the attributes that they see. If you're in Southern California, maybe they're going to define you as somebody who is adventurous because you like to go to the mountains and climb, or you like to go to the ocean and surf. People might think of you and say, oh, you know what, when I think of her, I think oh, she is such a great mom. She's always doing something cool with the family, and she's always got great ideas and, and different ways to teach the kids. Maybe your identity comes from your job. It would be very easy for me to come up here and say to make sure your identity is in Jesus. But let's be honest, you've heard that sermon before. I'm not going to preach that sermon this morning. Somebody listening today has acknowledged what the Bible says and what a Christian identity resembles, and they have thought about the changes that need to go on in their life to go all in for Jesus, but they stop. They have an excuse for not moving forward. The reason, the reason is some people say, you know what, that life that's just not me it's this idea that we we know what the bible says but but we justify because who we are is living in a way that we ourselves think is perfectly fine because to go all in to live by the bible's instructions is going to take us away from the current lifestyle we're living in that is me the bible's lifestyle that's just not me. We know that the Bible gives us instructions for our finance to tithe 10%, and you say, well, I've never done that, and, and I don't think that I can, and you know, that's just not me. Or maybe we know that, that the Bible gives very strict instructions and directions for sex, but we say, you know what, I can follow some of the Bible's directions for my life, but you know what, I have this identity based on my sexual deviancy from, from God's word and, and following his instructions for sex. And well, you know what? Those instructions, that, that's just not me. This morning, we're going to focus exclusively on what it is that leads people to say, that's just not me. This morning, we realize that we have to go all in in letting go of our past in order to see the future that God has in store for us. See, in order to even say the words, that's just not me, we must recognize the definition of me that you are referring to was created somewhere in your past. This morning we're going to look at one of the most popular characters in the Bible and we're going to, to see that he had to let go of more in his past to follow Christ than you were ever going to let go of in your lifetime. We're going to start this morning in the New Testament book of Acts. We are in chapter 9 and we're going to be in verses 1 through 2 as we start. This will be up on your screen. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. 
So we went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So we're introduced to a gentleman named Saul. Spoiler alert here. Saul is eventually going to be named Paul. And for the rest of our sermon today, for the sake of ease and understandability, every time Saul comes up, I'm going to refer to him as Paul, okay? But just remember that at a time, Saul of Tarsus, uh, he lived, and we're going to talk about him as Saul quite a bit today, but I'm going to refer to him as Paul, okay? So keep that, keep that in mind. Throughout Paul's life, he created himself in identity. As we study later on this year, as we study the uh, Apostle Paul, it's going to be really important to understand his past because once we understand his past, it will help us to understand where he is, what he's like, how his influence is important. I wonder if you've ever met somebody. You've known him for a little while. Like, hey, he's a good guy. And then after a while of hanging out, you learn he spent 10 years in prison, right? When you hear their story, you recognize the depth of what God can do. Paul, before Christ, hated everything that had to do with Jesus. Everything. Listen to this from Galatians chapter 1. This is Paul himself talking now. Paul says, for you have heard of my previous way of the life of, in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my own people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So, Paul had this identity in his past that he worked on creating for decades. He wanted people to see him as a very strict religious leader. He wanted people to see him as a Pharisee, and eventually he had that title. He wanted people to see him as somebody with authority for his faith, somebody who had power in his faith. Paul would go on to write a third of the New Testament giving us instructions on all kinds of different things. How a church should operate. How we should follow Jesus as an example. How we should serve others. Paul writes about missions and how important they are to life. How discipleship works. How love is so important to our relationships. How standing up for the truth is so important. See, if Paul would have remained the persecutor of the church, he would have never changed. And his influence would have never have been able to be seen by those who he touched. I want you to know this, and this is so important to understand, his past, so that we can understand the ability of God's love. Because Paul's past was bad. Here's the first point in your notes this morning. For those of you who are taking notes, I want you to write these down and I'll let you know and they'll be up on your screen. The first point in your notes this morning is this. 
You will never accomplish God's will by living in the past. You won't. You will never accomplish God's will by living in the past. When Paul was about 10 years old, his family would have moved from Tarsus, which is in modern-day Turkey, to Jerusalem. And Paul would have started his formal education. And all 10-year-old boys, some even younger than that, would start out in Torah school. They would go to school and they would learn nothing but the Torah, which would have been the, the Jewish religious books at the time, or the first five books of, of our Bible. And Paul actually learned under one of the most famous rabbis of that time period. He'd spend the next 10 years in deep study of Jewish culture, of Jewish faith, of Jewish law, of Jewish hierarchy. He, he would have known the Pharisees. He would have strived to have become a Pharisee, which he eventually did. You want to talk about being indoctrinated. Paul was indoctrinated. He was so indoctrinated that he was dangerous to anyone who had a different opinion than he did. <laughs> You think, you think it's dangerous now on social media if you put up an opinion that is different than some of your friends or is different from the, the culture? Huh. The backlash you get today for that. But that backlash for your conservative, faith-based beliefs are nothing compared to what Paul would do to you if he found you following the way. In your Bible, that's going to be a capital W, following Jesus. The way, remember? So, Paul would hunt you down. Paul's passion was so deep for his Jewish faith and, and his hatred of anything that had to do with Christians. He was willing to stand up for, for his views, defend his views, including hauling people away. He would even watch Christians be murdered. See, the very first time that we meet Paul is at a murder scene. It's a crime scene. The Jewish leaders had got hold of a man named Stephen who was preaching the word of God. And a mob grabbed Stephen. He went to a, a bogus trial, and he defended himself in this trial. But this mob grabbed him, drug him outside the city gates, and they began to stone him, began to kill him. Paul was there. You know what Paul was doing? Paul was holding the coats of the guys who were throwing rocks. You can imagine picking up a rock and you're like, okay, let me take this off and get a better throw, right? Hand it over. Paul's right here. He is right here supporting it. Look right here. We're in Acts chapter 8. We're in verse number 1. It's going to be up on your screen. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. You and I, we know the rest of the story, but Paul didn't that day. He didn't know what was going to happen. 
his idea, Paul's idea of doing God's will was vastly different than God's idea of Paul doing God's will. There was absolutely no way that Paul was going to do God's will if Paul refused to let go of his past. See, letting go and letting God is surrendering whatever you have been fiercely holding on to with your own strength and handing it over to God. It is surrendering to His will, surrendering to His plan, surrendering to His purpose. Sometimes we hold on to our past because we don't know what the future is going to be like. We tell ourselves that I don't know what's going to happen if I give my life to Christ and if I start following Christ, but I know what's going to happen if I lead me because I've done it before and even though it might not be wonderful, I know what will happen and so I stay here. What ends up happening is that we deprive ourselves because what God has to offer you and your future is so much bigger than what your past has to offer you. Not only was Paul very, very good at being the him that he created for himself, but he was really good and very proud of the identity that he had created for himself. He, was cre he, was, he created him, Paul did, but the identity that he let others see him as, he was proud of that. But in order to serve God, Paul had to let all of that past go. And that required, watch this, letting go of every single thing that defined him in his own eyes. Everything that Paul saw as this is who I am, it all had to go. You might think it's scary to start going to, to church once a week or maybe to join small group and come in on, on Monday evenings and, and make an hour and a half on Monday nights just part of your everyday life. But here's something to know. What you and I are asked to give up for Christ, it might be nothing in comparison to what the Apostle Paul had to give up, what he did give up. Or maybe we can look at his example of letting go of the past to be our future. As we look at Paul, I'm also going to take us to a parable that Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 15. You have heard this story many times. We're not going to look at the entire story. We're going to look at the first part of the story because the first part creates the past. Okay? Come with me to Luke chapter 15. We're in verse number 11. It says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Verse 14 after he had spent everything. We're going to stop right there. After he had spent everything. Why are we stopping here? Because 
the rest of the story doesn't happen without this. It doesn't happen without the past. There is so much in that piece. There would not be a story of a prodigal son if we don't have a son who left for a distant country and squandered all of his wealth in wild living. See, God can't redeem us unless there is something to redeem. Sometimes we tell ourselves that we are so guilty and our, our past is so much just full of rubble and black and blue bruises that, that we have no idea how we are going to grow out of it. But we're here, aren't we? We're here. Let me tell you something about today. And this is point number two in your notes. Write this down. This is so important. Today, you are building tomorrow's past. Did you hear that? Today, you are building tomorrow's past. If you're here this morning, there's a very good chance that you have a good understanding on what your past looks like. You know what your sins are. You know what your struggles are. You know what baggage that you bring. And even though you come today and maybe you're taking those first steps in your Christian walk, even those steps, even yesterday, will be handed over. Because where you are today is part of tomorrow's past. Don't think that you're going to come to God and you're going to give God your past one time. Uh-uh. No, we give God our past every single day because yesterday is your new past. We keep giving it. Yesterday is not tomorrow, but tomorrow is what God has planned for you. Even yesterday belongs to God. We need to make sure we're giving yesterday back to Him and being thankful for yesterday and be in, in an anticipation mode for tomorrow. Be thankful that God has something bigger. D.L. Moody said this. He says, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Mary and Martha had a past. All of the disciples had a past. Nicodemus, the Pharisee, had a past. The woman at the well, she, she definitely had a past. The Roman centurion, he had a past. The leper who came to Jesus, he had a past. The blind man, he had a past. The thieves on the crosses next to Jesus, they had a past. The Roman soldiers who held hammers and hammered nails through the hands of our Lord, they also had a past. Do you know that the kingdom of God is not in the kingdom of God, your past is not that important, but rather it's your future. We live in a culture that bases your future on your past. When you go to apply for a job, you fill out, you, you send them your resume. And what your resume does is it shows a potential employer what your past looked like, right? Sports stars these days are hired and they are, they are sent to new teams based on their accomplishments 
from their old teams based on what they did in the past. Your driving record shows how good of a driver you were, but in the past. I told you last week that I don't come up here and no pastor goes to the pulpit to talk to you for 40 minutes so that you could write down some sermon notes and you could check off that go to church box on your weekly to-do list. No, every pastor preps hours a week in prayer and in writing so that each Sunday morning we come together for one reason, and that's to change lives. I must speak God's truth to change lives. We must let go of the past. If you're hearing this this morning, please don't just write that down as a note. Where is the change? What needs to go to God? We must let go of who we were in order for God to show us who we are and deliver us into who He wants us to be. We're going to come back to Paul. And we're going to see the moment that Jesus reached him. We're in Acts chapter 9, verse number 3. As he, Paul, was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So here's Paul walking to Damascus with his entourage, right? And he's got these letters from authorities in Jerusalem giving him permission to, to bring Christians to jail. And it is at this moment that Paul's life changes entirely in a different direction. Sometimes we like to say things like, oh, I remember the time that Jesus turned my life around. I'm not really a big fan of that phrase, turning my life around, because if Jesus turned your life around, you would be walking directly into the past that you just left. I don't think Jesus turned your life around. I think Jesus turned your life up. This is the moment that Jesus turned Paul's life up. Remember we were talking about your identity, the identity of how other people see you, what they see you as. Paul had one. It's well known that Paul was persecuting Christians. Paul was almost a celebrity of sorts for those who wanted to destroy the Christian church. But even the Christians knew about this. They knew Paul. They knew, stay away from this guy. He is trouble. I want you to see what happens right after Paul gets up from this blinding light to follow Jesus' instruction and continue going into the town, into Damascus. Watch this. We're in Acts chapter 9, verse number 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, 
I have heard many people talk of the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. See, the identity that Paul had created for himself was so well known by so many people. Paul had perfectly crafted who Paul wanted to be seen as. And that all came crumbling down in two verses. Paul had worked so hard on his identity for decades. Follow me to Acts. We're going to uh, chapter 9, verse number 15. This is what the Lord says to Ananias. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Everything that Paul built for himself came crashing down. Here's a third point in your notes this morning. It doesn't matter how good you are at being the you that you have created if you are not being the you who God created. You can create your own identity all you want. It doesn't matter. Unless you are being the you who God created. You may or may not be a creation of your own hand. That's understandable. You may have been the victim of abuse growing up at the hand of a predator. And for that, I am deeply sorry. But that abuse does not define you. It's part of you. But if that's the identity that you are giving yourself, you're holding on to a past and not allowing yourself to fully be shaped by the God who created you. God did not let you walk through your past for your past to define you. He let you walk through your past for your past to strengthen you. Can every past by, be used for God's glory? Absolutely. But it can't be used for God's glory if we don't let God have that past and direct it forward. If I were to ask you who you are, what would you write down? Who are you? I know we're at church. So a lot of you are saying, here, in-house, I know, and online, I know. You're saying, well, I'm a Christian. I'm going to put that on the top of my list. Let's be honest. Let's be 100% honest. Maybe some of us would list our occupation. Maybe some of us would list our position in our family. Maybe our hobbies. Maybe our lifestyle. None of that matters. It doesn't matter how good you are at being you or the you that you have created if you are not being the you that God has created. And I know that there is an excuse going through your head right now. You say, oh, well, God made me this way. Did he? Or did you? The way he made you is according to his word and his will. God doesn't act outside of his promises or his word. 
If you are identifying as something that the Bible does not identify you as, then you have created you. And if you're going to go all in for Jesus Christ, you must let go of that you that you created. Not just some of you, all of you. We're going to come back to Paul and pick up the action. Paul's actually writing a letter to the church in Philippi. We call this letter the book of Philippians. And he's talking about in these verses what he had to give up for Jesus. Come with me to Philippians chapter 3. We're in verse number 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake, watch this, I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul says he lost his entire identity. He said, Everything that he created for himself. He went to Torah school as a child. He, went to, to, he followed one of the best rabbis in the area as a youth. He studied to be a Pharisee. He created this identity of himself, of somebody who was going to go and hunt down Christians, and that all was gone. All of his dreams from his childhood, crushed and gone. All of his ambitions, gone. All of his desires, gone. Paul is actually the poster boy for the guy who goes back home after being gone for a while and hearing your friends say, wow, you sure have changed. That's Paul. But it's as if Paul is talking to his friends when he, when he says, yeah, I know, I know that I've changed. And even more than that, I consider all of my changes, I consider it a loss because now I know Jesus and just knowing Jesus is worth so much more than anything I ever had. And because I'm coming closer to Jesus every day and I want to be more Christ-like because of that, I lost everything. And Paul goes on to tell his friends that he actually, he made that change on purpose. And he realizes that, that the passions of his past, he calls them absolute garbage. Worthless. But he tells his friends this. He says, I'm not done. Come back with me to Philippians. We're in chapter 3, verse number 12. Paul says this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm not done. I am not done giving up me. 
Here's the final point in your notes this morning, and this is actually a quote from C.S. Lewis. And I'm going to leave this on the screen for an extra moment so you can write this down. C.S. Lewis says this, There is far, far better things. There are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. There are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. I'm going to wrap up with this. We're going to go back to the story that we started earlier about the boy who asked his dad to give him his inheritance early. And this kid took all of his money, all of his inheritance, and he ran off to Vegas and he gambled it all away. And now he doesn't know what to do. Let's finish up this story in Luke chapter 15, or in verse number 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. But he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will seek out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Watch this. So he got up and went to his father. You know the rest of the story of the prodigal son. We're not getting there. We're not going there today. Because you don't have a story of a prodigal son without a past. It's realizing that no matter what you did to hurt God, He is still there for you. It's realizing that your past might be unique, but it's not too big for God. God gives us instructions. God gives us a way home. God stands there with open arms. God has the answers, but still many of us say, God, thanks. Thanks for the love. God, thanks for the book. God, thanks for the family. God, thanks for the instructions. But going all in to follow you, God, that's just not me. We have to let go of the we that we created so we can be the we who God created. You want to know what you gain by going all in with Jesus? You gain everything. You want to know what you lose by going all in with Jesus? You lose everything. And let me tell you something. Losing everything is so worth gaining everything. Tomorrow evening at 6.30, we're going to talk about this. This is the other half. This is the second half of Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings and small group. Sunday mornings and small group. Whatever notes you wrote down today, we want to talk about those tomorrow. 6.30, Allie's going to put up in the chat room right now a link. 
I want to know what is it that you lost when you came to Christ? And what is it that you gained since you've come to Christ? I want to know from you, what's in your testimony? What would you tell somebody else that they're going to lose when they come to Christ or go all in? What is something you're going to tell somebody else? What, this is what you gain by going all in. What do you have to say? See, we're now going from a church that comes and listens to me talk for 40 minutes to a church that's interactive. That's what Monday night small group is all about. This is when we get to come together and apply what we learned on Sunday morning. Going all in with Jesus, you will gain everything. But in order to gain everything, you have to lose everything. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to come and to listen to your word and to spend time with your family. And Lord, I thank you for our past. Because without our past, there's nothing to redeem. Lord, we thank you for what we have gone through. And we pray that you will be with us as we continue in our path. And that you will guide our path. And Lord, today we come knowing that past of ours that is bruised. Today, Jesus, we give it to you. Don't let us hold it any longer. We want you to have all of yesterday and all of the day before that and all of last year so that you can be the director of our tomorrow. Lord, as we worship, we pray that we can continue to feel your love And that we find those things in our hearts that identify us and ask ourselves, did God make this or did I make this? Lord, don't let us live by anything that we make ourselves, but rather let us live entirely in you. This morning we love you, we praise you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name.